We just thank God for his word, amen, which is a lamp unto our feet and light unto our, unto our pathway. Every head bowed now. Eternal God, our Father, we love you and thank you for your word, which guides us and directs us. We pray, God, that we're able to adhere to what you communicate to us on today. Thank you, God, for open hearts, and we thank you, God, for open minds to hear what you are saying and even about to say. So we pray, God, that you meet every need, convict us where necessary, encourage us along the way, that we do not get weary in well-doing. So we love you, Lord, and we offer ourselves to you, and it's in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Every heart say amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 25. If you would stand to your feet, find Matthew chapter 25, beginning at verse number 31. Beginning at verse number 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on the right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those who are on the right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When do we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer them saying, to say to them, assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren. You did it to me. May the Lord bless the readers and hearers of his holy word. What have you done for him lately? Look at your neighbor and say, what have you done for him lately? What have you done for him? What keeps us from doing what God has required? What stresses and strains our relationship with God? We can observe that as we look at our own personal relationships. Janet Jackson in 1986 wrote a song, What Have You Done For Me Lately? And in her writing of that song and even the lyrics, just briefly it says you... You used to uh, take me to dinner every night. You used to pamper me. We used to dance until we got tired. 
And then it's, it's expressed in there that the relationship has changed. Now you got your feet on the table and you're not dancing, you're not walking, we're not doing anything together. And then the question is, what have you done for me lately? She's asking that question in that particular song. And then God is asking, asking all of us, what have you done for me lately? When you first were saved, you were on fire for God. You did everything that he required. You did the very best that you could. You were energetic. But isn't it something how relationships over a period of time, we, we get used to one another. Yeah, we start taking things for granted. We just look over one another. We don't appreciate like we used to. And we see here in this particular text that there, there is a judgment day that's coming. There's a time coming when the God who gave us life, health, and strength is going to be requiring of each of us to give an account for the things that we have done. And many don't want to talk about those particular things, but I love this passage of Scripture. And the reason I love it is because it gives us our mandate. It gives us the uh, uh, marching orders, if you will that we as children of God should follow. And when we do this, we honor God. Good works are paramount to salvific demonstration. What does that actually mean? It means that good works are very important because you're saved or to demonstrate that you are truly saved. We perform works of righteousness and deeds of mercy to our fellow brothers and sisters because of our deep conviction and acknowledgement of God's grace in our lives. Because he's been good to us, he encouraged us, and because he's been gracious to us, it helps us to have mercy on others, others who are less fortunate than we are. God has been good to us, and so therefore we don't look down on a man but we, unless we are helping him or her up. The supreme mission of the, and message of the church is to fulfill the service, uh, fulfill service toward our brothers and our sisters and others. Because it's easy for us to help one another sometime. But it's really hard for us to help people we don't know or even care about their concerns. But God is letting us know, and even as uh, we we study this particular text. You read various commentaries. They're debating about who is the brethren. Is that all of society? He says he gathers the nations together. Is it just the, the saved within the nation? Or is he gathering everybody and separating those who are his from those who are not his? But I found out, ladies and gentlemen, that he, he out judges within the church, and not only that, but he also judges those who are on the outside as well. We need to understand that he's trying to make it very clear to you and I, we have a responsibility to serve those who are in our midst, that are in our communities, that are around us. Surely we are, we are, we are called to help those who are on the outside, but in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse number 8, it says we are especially uh, required to bless those who are of the household of faith. There's a word that I've discovered 
solipsism. Solipsism. What that word means is there's an extreme preoccupation with the indulgence of one's feelings and desires, which means that a person who uh, preoccupied with themselves, we're so self-absorbed that we don't consider others. We're self-confident, self-interested, self-important, self-involved, self-regard, self-worship, self-adorned, self-centered, self-ish. And we have to make sure as children of God that we do not fall into this particular trap because it will cause us to be so self-centered that we don't care and do what God has required for us to do. If you want to know what the assignment is for, for us as children of God, you would turn to Luke chapter 4. You don't have to do it now, but just write it down. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. When Jesus, his first message, his first speaking event, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach to the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What did he come for? What is the person's? purpose of Christ's coming originally. He was coming to preach to the poor. Everybody say the poor. The poor heal the broken heart is to liberate the captives and to restore sight to the blind and also to lift the burden of those who are oppressed. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says that the poor are specifically called out by God in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 17. It says, when you have pity on the poor, you lend it to God, which means that you do God a favor when you reach out for the poor. Also in Deuteronomy 15 and verse 11, 15 and verse 11, it says, for the poor will never cease from your land. Therefore, I commanded you, saying, you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor, to your needy in your land. So he's given us a, a mandate that we as children of God, as Christ has come uh, and saved us and relieved us uh, and delivered us, we need to remember that our responsibility is to help those who are more unfortunate, unfortunate than we are. Surely we don't have everything perfect, but I declare that when we give even from our own needs, you'll find that God will supply. Has anybody discovered that? Have anybody discovered that it's better for us to give than it is for us to, see, to receive? And I like this. The first thing I want us to realize is that Jesus is coming to establish his authority and his reign. Surely he's already in control, but he's going to stop the foolishness. He's going to come and sit down. He's going to sit down on his throne. He's going to let you know that, yep, I told you I was coming. Now I'm here. When he comes, he's coming with his angels. 
He's coming with the angels, the same ones that minister to you. Those of, he'll come along, and some of you should have been dead and gone, but he sent an angel to block. Somebody say amen. I know that there are so, so many miracles that have transpired in our life. The only reason we have survived up to this point is because of God's grace and his mercy. And he sent angels, yeah, to stop us or to stop the other vehicles or to save us and to transform us. I remember not too long ago a testimony that God picked up the car and skipped it out of the way. Just so we would be spared. I remember that. I remember my own cases when I driving home in a condition that I shouldn't have been. And it's only by God's grace and mercy that I'm here right now. Because he kept, he kept us. He keeps me and he keeps you and I. But he's going to come back to sit on his throne. He's going to come back with his angels. Not only that, but he's going to come in his glory. How many of you thank God when you see him, the Bible says we're going to see him as he is. And then when we see him, we're going to be as he is. Amen. He's going to give us the glory because you have to understand you cannot get in the presence of God in your present condition. He'll have to empower. He have to change you lest you have heart attacks immediately. We need to understand that God is really speaking to you and I saying to us, we need to be ready when he comes. And what are you doing in the meantime? Are you helping those? I am coming back. In 535 years, approximately before the coming of Christ, Daniel wrote this. Write it down in your Bibles. Daniel 7, 13 and 14. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. It says, I was watching in the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall never be destroyed. How many of you know that he will come? He is coming. That's the reason we are trying to live right. That's the reason that we're trying to serve others because we know he's coming. He's going to have a dominion in every, every with every uh, nation, every language, every tongue, whatever you declare, will bow when he comes. He's going to come with his throne, set on his throne, the angels and the glory. Not only that, but Jesus is coming to judge the righteous and the unrighteous. Many of us, when we think about sheep and goats, we, we say the saints and then we say the sinners. But how many of you know the judgment is going to begin in the house of God? Oh, yeah. He's not going to go on the outside and start with them. No, he's going to be right up in the house. And so when you think about uh, the right side and the left side, the right side is a side of authority. But it's not always declared that because when, when, the, when the two boys, their mother asked that James and, 
and John B. put on the right and on the left, those were some good places. But in this particular text, ladies and gentlemen, the right and the left, uh, the sheep and the goats, there's a separation of those who are doing God's will and those who are doing what they want to do. Talking about the nature of the sheep which are humbling themselves before the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. And then we have the others who do what they want. In Jesus' name. But he's saying, I'm going to separate. Not only will I separate the saved uh, in the church and those who are, have a form of godliness, but I will also separate the nations. So we have to understand what he's saying here. He will separate his believers from the unbelievers. He'll set the sheep on the right. He'll set the goats on the left. Write this down. Judgment will begin in the house of God. James chapter 4 and verse 17 says that explicitly. And then it also says, if judgment begins in the, in the house of God and the righteous are going to barely make it, how much more are those who are on the outside? The way we minister to those who are on the outside is by we give them their physical needs as best as as best we can to provide their needs, to be a blessing to them uh, while we can, then they'll see the light that's in us and be drawn to the Christ that's in us. It's not so we can just say I did a good, good favor, but we have to understand that we have to, as children of God, minister to those who are on the outside so they can see, see your good works and give God the glory. He said, if, you're, if the righteous are going to barely make it, and I, I need to linger there for a few moments because many times we think because we came to church, we're automatically going to make it in. And it ain't going to be, yeah, I'm going to automatically make it. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you can hang around, but you got to have the spirit of God and even the desire to serve, serve others. And Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Many of us, we have to be very careful, and especially uh, in my position, we want, want others to serve us and hand us some water and give us a towel and, and carry our Bibles for us. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm supposed to be one of the biggest servants in the whole house. Somebody say amen. Me and all the other preachers. Somebody say amen. I don't care what it has formed to be because Jesus never did sit down and kick it. He was always in the street. Matter of fact, he got kicked out of the church because he was healing folk. We have to understand that we as children of God, we have come to, we, we come to serve. Judgment will begin in the house of God. Write this one down, Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 17. Ezekiel 34 and 17 says that uh, behold, I will judge between the sheep and the sheep, between the rams and the goats. That's part B of verse 17, Ezekiel 34, 17. He said, I will judge between the sheep and the sheep. That's very important because we talk about the sheep and the goat. He said, I'm still going to separate those that look like sheep. Come on, somebody. Look like they're doing something but not doing anything for anybody. But they are practicing self-righteousness and self-centeredness. We as children of God must be servants of God. Find those who are less fortunate. You'll find out your life is way more better, excuse my English, when you just serve others. When you're serving, when you're doing the work of the ministry, 
Not only should judgment begin with the house of God, but all nations will be judged without excuse. It's not on your paper, so write it down. All nations will be judged without excuse. The argument has gone forth uh, even in the commentaries that this is only about the saints of God. And perhaps it is in this particular context, but I'd argue, ladies and gentlemen, that the mind of God is suggesting that everybody's going to hear and everybody, not, nobody's going to have an excuse. Psalm 19 says, the, the, look, when you look into the sky, he said the, 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 the stars and the moon, he said, ain't nobody going to have an excuse. He said, you know I put it up there. Don't act like you didn't know I put it up there and it's organized. Somebody say amen. We need to realize that the word of God is very clear and people are going to have even, not even have an excuse. Talking about I didn't go to church. I can't be accountable for things I did not know. Listen, you're walking in my father's world. Somebody created this. We're the only place within miles. And that's, that's an understatement. You can't run. You can't hide. Well, how is it that we're hanging here? And this ain't on my notes. So how is you hanging here without a rope? Without a tether. We're just hanging out in the middle of space. The earth is turning and God said, I made it all and I set it all up. Nobody's going to have an excuse. All nations will be judged without an excuse. Write this down, John chapter 7 verse 14. And it says, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. What he's saying here is that the word of God is going to go out. People are not going to have and your responsibility and my responsibility is to reach those we have access to. Your number one disciples are in your household. Yeah, don't go all over to Africa and you ain't even talking to people that's in the house or down the hall in the room on the left. We got to make sure that we're ministering to them at minimum, letting our light shine, at minimum, letting our standard of life and living, because we have been changed, be demonstrated. We keep feeding our children. We keep feeding them. But you better pray before you eat. Somebody say amen. Because the God who put it on the table, come on somebody, it wasn't mama or daddy, it was God who blessed mama and daddy to, to make it, and grandmama and grandpapa, he's, he's the one who blessed us. We need to make that known. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 14 once again says, the gospel is going to be preached to every nation. Matthew 20 28, 18 through 20, but let's park at verse number 19. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. Verse number 20, teach them to observe all things I've commanded you. Ladies and gentlemen, that's my responsibility is to make sure we know we're supposed to be serving others. Make sure you know that we're supposed to be feeding those who are less fortunate in the house and outside of the house. Amen. That's really our mandate. Romans chapter 14 and verse number 10. It says every knee shall bow. You can't judge nobody else. It says because every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Somebody say amen right there. Everybody know it will be no excuses. Ladies and gentlemen, when the king of kings comes, not only will 
Jesus come to establish his authority and his reign. He's coming to judge the righteous and the unrighteous. Last of all, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is coming to give you an eternal inheritance. Oh, how many of you want your in eternal inheritance? From the foundation of the world, he had already planned to give you something. He's already prepared a gift for you. All you have to do is do what he says, then he will provide. And what I found out, Brother Lawson, is that this is an eschatological blessing that's been given to us, which means an end-time blessing. He said, after the war's over, he said, I have a blessing for you already prepared. And we need to understand that God is fulfilling his eternal purpose through us as we serve those who are less fortunate. You want a reward, but you got to do the work. They only gave you six things, six categories, if you will, that we need to focus on. And they're very simple. He said, I was hungry. You didn't give me nothing. I was thirsty. You gave me something. Or I was a stranger. You gave me something. I was naked. You, get, you helped me in that area. I was sick. You catered to me. You tried to help me. I was in prison and you helped me. When I was hungry, you gave me some bread. But ladies and gentlemen, there's twofold here. And I want to make sure that we understand. Surely we know that if a person needs a cup of water, we give that to them in Jesus' name. So I say amen. We give it to them. They're hungry. They're thirsty. We're trying to provide. But how many of you know that they're going to need another meal a couple of days from then? They're going to need another meal, so that's not the problem. The, pro the problem is that we give, but we don't give the bread of life. I wish I had a witness here. We got to make sure, ladies and gentlemen, you love on them with a loaf of bread. Then you talk about the King of kings and the Lord of lords who is giving you the bread of life. And we were used to sing a song, bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed me. Till I won't no more. Some of y'all don't know that song, but ladies and gentlemen, I was too young to really understand. But now I know that there's a feeding that comes to the children of God. When you learn about the bread, somebody say, teach me how to fish. Amen. And then I can fish for myself. We need to understand that when we give them a, a loaf of bread, we need to tell them who is the bread of life. We need to make sure we communicate that I'm doing it in Jesus' name, and he blessed my life. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't care if they're homeless or if they're straining or they're trying to make it. When they meet Jesus from them for themselves, it changes everything. And you say, well, what does that mean? If, even if they're incarcerated just because their mind frame has been changed. Come on, somebody. Their perspective has been changed. They, even in the midst of... We will, will learn how to be content in whatever state they find themselves. You can't bring everybody into your home. You can't bring everybody. It's not like that. You can give them bread, but lead them to the bread of life. When I was thirsty, you gave me some water. But write this down. We need to give them the living water. John chapter 4 and verse 8 through 14, it just it speaks about Jesus speaking to the lady at the well, the woman at the well. 
But he said, she said, give me, you, Jesus said, give me some water. He, she said, Jesus said, if you knew who you was talking to, you would ask me for a spring of water. You would ask me for some water that would spring up into everlasting life. He said, when you come to this well, you're going to have to come here tomorrow. You're going to have to keep coming, but I got something that a well that spring up inside of you. Come on, somebody. He's talking about, I'm talking about a thirst that you could not quench. God says, I can meet that need. And ladies and gentlemen, our responsibility is to not only feed them when they're hungry, but lead them to the bread of life. And then life-giving water that springs up into eternal life. Write this down. Proverbs 25 and verse 21. It said, if anyone is hungry, give him bread. And it says, actually, if your enemy is hungry, give him some bread. And if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. You also read that in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 20. It doesn't matter who it is, whether you like them or not. It ain't your problem whether they like you or not. Somebody say amen. Your job is to give it. And he said, if you if you're going to give your enemy what he or she might need or the person you think might be your enemy... Uh, he said, of course, everybody in between get blessed. Amen. It's not just talking about the persons that are in our sanctuary, the people that we know. Whenever you have an opportunity to serve, give to those who are hungry, to the thirsty. And then Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. And it says, whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of water in my name in the name of a disciple, surely I say to you, he shall not, by no means that is, lose his reward. You can just give a cold cup of water to somebody that's in, the, in, the, in your midst. And God is saying that you will not miss your reward. Surely we want to run immediately to the eternal reward, but it's all these steps that we go, all these opportunities, and there's something else here. It says, when I was homeless, you gave me. We said, get place to stay, but write this down. He gave us hope. We gave a person hope. We gave him shelter if we could. We gave him security. We gave him sanctuary. But most of all, we give him a promise, the same promise that has been given to you and I. In John chapter 14, verse 1 through 6, Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He said, not only you be homeless down here if you want, but I'm fixing you a spot. I don't know about you, but I'll be glad when we're out of these wooden houses. Come on, somebody. When he, whatever he has prepared, I'll take wherever it is. And somebody say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to talk to mama, I'm going to talk to daddy. No, I want to see the one who died for me. Hallelujah. I don't care what corner of heaven he put me in. I'll be a janitor in heaven. Come on, somebody. I don't care. I just want to be there. He said, even though we go through down here, they're homeless down here. We have situations that come. He said, but our responsibility is to give them hope, give them help, give them shelter, give them security, sanctuary, wherever possible. And then he let them know about the promise that God has given to us. Write this down, Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 1 and 2. Let brotherly love continue. How many of you know we need to continue in brotherly love? 
And it says, don't forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so, you may unwittingly entertain angels. The same ones who come back with him on his throne. Listen, you might pull up. You remember that guy you saw on the freeway? You remember that person that you helped at the store? You remember that person that you gave them a little extra change so they could buy their groceries? You remember? That was me. Jesus is saying to all of us, he said, when you work as, as unto the Lord, you're working for the Lord, you're actually ministering to him. He said, when I was, when I was shivering, and I put that, when I was uh, without clothes, I was shivering, you gave me the bodily needs that I had. You gave me a scarf, you gave me a hat, you gave me some gloves, and it's getting ready to get cold out here. You might need to get some boots or some socks or some pants or get some other things ready for those who are less fortunate. How about, how about a, 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 a cover to cover themselves, a blanket to throw over them? We as children of God, we are so blessed we need to make sure that we're doing what God has called us to do. I know we can't shout on this when it's not really popular, but ladies and gentlemen, we need to make sure that we do what God has called us to do. Somebody say amen. And he said, James chapter 2, and I like this one. Uh, don't laugh when you read it when you get home. James chapter 2 and verse number 15, he said, A brother or sister is naked and destitute, and one of you says to him, Depart in peace, be warm and filled. He says, but you do not do whatever their, their needs are bodily. And then he says, what profit is that? What good is you? I'm going to pray for you, but I ain't going to do nothing for you. How about one of them coats? How about that? How about that? How about some of the other things that you have? You got a, you got a trunk full of groceries. And you can't give me some water. Give me a bread. Give me a biscuit. Come on, somebody. What is it? What is it? That when we, when we are so caught up in ourselves, we see our brother or sister suffering and we do nothing. When I was sick, you gave, what did you give me? You called for the elders, James chapter 5 and verse 14 and following. He said, I called for the elders and they prayed for me. Listen, even if you don't call for the elders, won't you pray for them? Won't you pray for them when they're sick? Why don't you give them a ride to the doctor's appointment? Why don't you go and visit them when they are sick and when they're going through and give them some hope? How many of you know that many people are sick because they're mentally sick? They make themselves sick from the stress and the strain of life. And when they see you and when you see, they see the Christ in you, they get some hope and they begin to revive. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, work on the mind, work on the spirit of those whom you serve. Give them the encouragement that they need. He says also, when I was in prison, you gave me, you remembered me. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number three. I'm finished. He said, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 3, he said, you remember. Remember those who are in chains. Remember those who are incarcerated. It doesn't matter why they were in there. If you're going to do prison ministry, it, don't, it doesn't matter who's in there. Me and Mother Bailey, we did ministry for years within the prison system. And I thank God I went in there with a man with 5150 on his forehead, which means crazy. I'm in danger to myself and others. When we left out of the class, he was clapping. He was happy. He was 
ready to go for 25 to life. But I gave him a little hope. I ain't seen him since, but my job was to minister to him. When the doors closed and they said, click, and they say, follow the yellow line. You go to a sanctuary, you pull out some hymns, and the Spirit of God drops in, and we start having church. We start having so much church up in the prison that the, that the chaplain come by and said, what is that boy doing in them classes? What is he doing? The class was either full or it had a few, but it didn't matter who came. And what I found out was some of those persons we ministered to, their parents are on the outside. Their, their, their grandparents are on the outside. I didn't know when I was ministering to them. But later on, this is my son. And I said, oh, I said, yeah, I didn't bring it up like that. But I want to make sure that we minister to them while we can. Last of all, ladies and gentlemen, if you look at the last verse in there, you'll find that the last verse says to, to us, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these, my brothers, even to the least of these, you did it unto me. Everybody say, to the extent. He said, what that means is that when you give an effort, as you have given effort, the Bible says whatever you plant, that's what you shall reap. And he says, when you have done to the best of your ability, bless your brother or your sister, you've done it unto me. We've heard that verse over and over. But let me read it to you from the message. I like how it speaks to us. The message translation says this. Whenever you did one of these things to someone, which means give them a, a a comfort or you give them some water, however you are provided. It says, whenever you have done these things to someone who is overlooked, who is ignored, it says, that was me. He said, you did it unto me. Ladies and gentlemen, when I saw that, I finally, finally woke up. He said, whenever I help Anthony, he said, that was me. He said, whenever I helped Brother Alton, he said, that was me. He said, whenever I helped the man on the street or give the lady a push from one store to, a, to another in her wheelchair, he said, that was me. And I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but, but when I serve now, my eyes are open. When I serve now, when I go out in the community, I'm looking and I'm going to help Jesus. Same thing happened to Mother Teresa. She had been going in and out of the orphanage for years. But one day she came out and God opened her eyes. She saw somebody laying there. And many of those who were laying there destitute, they were sick. They were left on the street all over. She said, I've been walking past them for years. But God opened my eyes. And then he, she's holding one that had AIDS. Yeah, back in the day, she was holding them. They say, how do you hold them? And you know they got AIDS. She said, when I see them, I see Jesus. How many of you see Jesus when you're helping somebody that's less fortunate? Ladies and gentlemen, my question is, what have you done for him lately? I know everybody in the house is in some kind of ministry doing something, but how many of you know that when you look for it, God will give you an opportunity. When we walk out of these doors, they're going to be standing there, somebody who needs our help. I never want to be too busy that I can't do what God has called me to do. 
I remember one day I was here at the church and I was about to leave. We had a midday Bible study. Everybody was leaving. Everybody was gone. The day was kind of hot. But there's a stranger that walked up. It was a homeless guy. Didn't even have his shirt on. He's pulling a basket. He's pulling a, a little cart and it has a box there. And he goes in the box and, the, and I talked to him. He said, can I have some water? I said, yeah. And I told you guys this story before because he said, could I get a knife so I can open up? So I just happened to have a utility knife. Matter of fact, I had two utility knives. One for him and one for me. Yeah, and I gave him one of those utility knives and I stood back. He said, let me use that one. I said, no. No, I'm going to hold on to this one. This was a double-bladed. How many of you know that that man blessed my life? He said, what I'm looking in my box for is my Bible. He said, he pulls his Bible out. He said, this is beautiful. He opens it up to a page. He ain't got no shirt on. He ain't got nothing going on. I'm giving him water, but he's blessing my life. He pulls out a little poem, and it's on a card. He said, read that. Isn't that beautiful? You never know who you're talking to. Be careful that you could be entertaining angels unaware. How many of you are going to do something for the Lord? How many of you are going to do something? Not, not so you can get a reward. The reward is already promised. But because he's been good to me, I want to be good to somebody else. Because he has blessed me. I want to be a blessing to somebody else. Do me a favor. Why don't we all just find somebody before we see each other again? Find somebody we can bless. Look for those opportunities because when you serve them, you serve the Lord. He said, that was me. He said, come, you blessed of my father. He said, I want you to receive an inheritance that I've had has been here from the foundation of the world. He said, all I've been waiting for you to do is just keep doing what I've asked you to do. And he said, I got a blessing for you. He said, you won't even remember this that you've gone through. Many of the saints of God have died and not seen uh, glory on this side, but when they saw him, he had an eternal foundation uh, uh, Reward for them. I don't know about you, but I want my reward. But most of all, I just want to see him for myself. So I'm going to serve while I can. Long as I can get up, long as I can move. And I, I believe as a church, we're already on a, good, on a good foot. We're right in here at 2020. We're going to find out how we can serve more. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how it can be organized, but I was thinking about a community cleanup. You say, well, what does that mean? I think we get us a truck, go around, and if we make our neighborhood look good and make the standard of the neighborhood come up. Somebody say amen. Trash all over the place. No, we just find a spot and just clean that up. I don't know how that could be organized, but it's sure been on my spirit, sure been in my heart that we can go and not just talk about it, but be about it and demonstrate it. Let's all stand to our feet. Let me see your hand if you want to do more for the Lord. You just want to. I believe that we are here. Unless you need a church home and you desire to be here with us. Special prayer even on today. God sees you right where you are. 
But with your hand raised, I want you to make a commitment to God. That when you see him, when you see him on the street, when you see that mother suffering with her children, when you see that person sitting on the side of the road, it breaks our heart. We'll try and do whatever we can at the discerning of the Spirit, at the leading of the Holy Spirit. We'll do whatever is required. If our brother is sick, we'll minister to him or her. They're in prison. If they're thirsty, if they're hungry, if they're homeless, without clothes, God. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we do love you and thank you for my brothers and sisters. Thank you, God, that you have blessed us to be together, a great team, helping each other, picking up glasses, raking up leaves, giving out food, giving away bread, giving away water, giving away hot meals in your name because we're serving you. Whenever we help them, God, help us to remember we're serving you. It's not about us. It's not about us being self-centered or pride or arrogant or set aside, but it's about us sacrificing our life on behalf of others that we'll be a blessing to them. And so we love you, God, and we thank you for those who are called to a higher place, those whose heart have truly been pricked to do even more we love you, God, and we thank you for blessing us with health and strength that we're able to go in and out. But long as we're able to work, give us a heart that's broken and sensitive to the needs of those, our brothers and sisters, not only in the church, but on the outside. So we love you. Guide us and keep us. Thank you for everyone who is here and under the sound of my voice this morning. Whatever their need is, whatever their care is, whatever their desire is, according to your divine will, we pray that you bless them. So we love you, God, and we pray your special anointing as we go out. Your angels to watch over us and keep us until we come together again. But give us those opportunities where we're able to serve, and we'll do just that. And we thank you for allowing us to do that. And it's in Jesus' name and for his sake, every heart say amen. Amen. Now hug somebody.